We're finishing up a teaching series today, a series that we've been in for three weeks where we've been looking at one verse out of the scriptures and asking the question, what does God want? The word that's in this verse that we've been talking about is require. What does the Lord require of you? But as we've said before, the word require here is not meant to sound like a religious rule. It's not meant to be something that says that God's watching you and you, these are the rules. And if you want to get to heaven, this is what you better do. But that the invitation before us is that God is saying, I made you, I formed you, I designed you, I knit you together in your mother's womb. This is how you come alive. This is how you live a life of purpose. This is how you live a life of joy. This is how you impact this world. Micah chapter six, verse eight, asks the question, you know, O oh man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that this morning, no matter who we are, no matter how we walk in here, no matter what questions and doubts and dreams and burdens and tragedies we carry in here with us, that all of us, all of us, would open our minds and our hearts to hear from you, that your Holy Spirit might shape and form us into the people that you created us to be. And we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we said at the beginning of this teaching series that we were going to take one Sunday to look at each of these three elements that the prophet Micah lifts up to us, but we weren't going to start at the beginning of the list. We were going to start at the end of the list. So we started two weeks ago by talking about what does it mean to walk humbly with God? And we start here because what we believe as followers of Jesus is that there is something that is more broken about this world than just the right system or the right political party or the right government coming into power. That the question has been answered, can't everybody just find a way to join in one big human communal hug and just get along? And for a couple of, well, for thousands of years, in every corner of the globe, the answer has decidedly been no. There is not some system, some philosophy, some way that we as human beings can just find this way of all of a sudden joining hands and singing kumbaya forever. There is something more broken than that. And the brokenness, we believe, starts with a relationship. It starts with our broken relationship with God, with the broken relationship between this creation and our creator. And so until we have that relationship mended, as, as Augustine said, our hearts will always be restless. Until that relationship with God finds its rest, there will always be something, no matter what you accomplish, no matter what you do with your life, no matter how much success you have, that when you put your head down on the pillow at night, there will be something that is lacking. There will be something that is left incomplete. And we will keep the journey going of throwing as much success as we can at that hole and hoping one day to feel content. But it's not about that. It starts with a broken relationship. And so we ask the question, what does it mean to, to learn to walk with God, to walk humbly with our Lord? And we talked about what does it mean to find our thin place, 
That place where the barrier between heaven and earth sort of evaporates and moves away, where it is that we experience the presence of God in our life. And we had people who have found wonderful and creative ways of getting out of their box and their paradigm of super spiritual people do it this way. And have found through music or through walking or through hiking of ways of, of communing with God on a frequent and, and in daily basis. And I want to continue to urge you to do that. There's such a danger for those of us who are uh, Christians that we sit there and go, oh, well, I've learned that. I got the rule. We're going to walk humbly with God. That's number one. I checked that box. Now what's next? It's like, no, this is, this is a daily lifetime experience that we get to choose. And we must continue to do so to find our thin places. One week ago, we spent the second week of this series talking about the second part of what Micah writes about, of what it means to be a people who love kindness, or the Hebrew word chesed, which I hope that you've just gotten joy this week from saying chesed over and over again. It's a great thing to kind of wake up in the morning and chesed, and it kind of starts your day. Chesed means to show unmerited loyalty and compassion towards others. And what we talked about last Sunday, if you were here, was, was the idea that there's this traditional way of, of believing that we are formed as Christians by what we call knowing and doing discipleship. We learn the rules, we know the rules, and then we go do it. Unfortunately, that doesn't last very long. So this week we invited you, rather than memorizing chesed and going and doing it, showing loyalty and compassion, we invited you this week to to do a more biblical model of formation, which is not about knowing and doing so much as it's about receiving and imitating. It's not about knowing and doing so much as it's about receiving and imitating. And I want to thank many of you for the reflections that you shared this week about where you have been the recipient of chesed. I had people who wrote to me and said, you know, I couldn't think of anything on Sunday, but on Tuesday, this thing hit me that I have not thought about in years where an individual or where people in my moment of weakness or in need or of brokenness came and walked with me. And it gives me a better idea of how to imitate that this week. I hope it's been powerful to you to think about how we have been receivers of mercy and loyalty and compassion and how to imitate it. And today we finish this series with the third part of what Micah writes, which is to do justice. Now, friends, if you have been at Covenant for any amount of time, you know that in recent months, this is not the first time we've talked about doing justice, and it's not going to be the last time that we talked about it. For example, a few months ago, we had a conversation around, uh, throughout the month of November around the issues of race and faith. We talked about institutional racism that still exists and implicit biases, which all of us struggle with in different ways, and how to move and to understand the gospel's call to live for something more. We've talked in recent weeks about how to be involved with tutoring students at, Saint, at uh, Webb Middle School through the amazing ministry of our members, Alan and Julie Weeks, for example, building into the lives of young people and seeing flourishing happening. We've talked about, for example, also how to get involved with refugee families, families that have been displaced from their homes that are being relocated to Austin, Texas. And in recent months, we have had two different families who have arrived that teams from this congregation have shown up at the airport and welcomed them and shown them around the city and helped get them acclimated and showered them with love. And there's gonna be another family that's gonna be arriving soon that we wanna continue to do this great work with. We had Joe Farrell, who was here from International Justice Mission three weeks ago, 
who even used Micah 6.8 in part of his sermon about justice. And I'm like, Joe, you're stealing my thunder. He's like, yeah, but we got we to lean into this. Talked about issues of trafficking, human trafficking and slavery that are still alive in this city, in this country, and in this world. And how we can partner in the great work of standing against this evil that is still so alive in our world today. This is the work of justice. You know, Joe told me that as he preached in each of our four services, he had prayer cards outside. And we are the first church as he's traveled around the country that he ran out of prayer cards. He ran out of prayer cards of people from our congregation signing up, wanting to be a part of a weekly rhythm of praying for justice along with them. And I was proud to hear that and proud to continue to find ways to support how we can practically get involved with these kinds of issues on a local and global level because it is a great evil of our time. There was a part of me that's like, could that just have counted as the doing justice sermon? We kind of spent some time on it. Joe did a really good job. So what I'd like to do today is rather than just repeating a lot of what we have heard in recent months, I would like to take some time this morning to invite you to consider a question that maybe we skip over quite easily. And that is the question of what is justice? What is it? And how do we do it? Friends, as many of you know, justice is not something that just we as Christians hold a cornerstone of talking about. This week, as I was preparing, I, I, I took some time to write down when I heard people talking about justice, or I also equated the word fairness, because I think that they're somewhat similar in, in, our, in our language, in our vernacular, in our culture. And I heard about it used in many different circles, none of which ostensibly had anything to do with faith or explicitly had anything to do with faith. Heard about it when it came down to people talking about the Black Lives Matter movement. Heard about it talking to people about uh, the care of our creation, of our environment. Heard it talked about around issues of taxation and a fair tax in our country. Heard politicians uh, who are running for president on both parties use the word justice and fairness. And one of the things that hit me this week is our inability to agree on what that word even means. That what one candidate talks about as fair and just is the embodiment for another of what is unfair and unjust. And my friends, we are never going to get closer to realizing what the prophets describe in creation as a day when justice will roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream if we can't even agree on what those words mean. And part of why we have a hard time agreeing on them is that when we use the word justice, we are often implicitly setting ourselves up as the judge of what is just and what is not. There are certain politicians that when I hear them talk about what's fair or just, it, it aligns much more with who, what I believe. And that's probably true for you as well. But is it right for you and I to implicitly believe that we are the best judges of what is really fair and what is just? Well, I don't want to offend any of you. I know that you're good people, right? We're good people. Pretty wise, pretty smart, do our best. I want you to know that I do not have confidence that any of you have the true ability to be the great judge of what is just and fair in our world. I also want you to know that I am a very wise person. 
I'm very, very wise. I don't know if you know that about me, but it's important you do. My preteen daughter reminds me daily of how wise and smart I am. But I have no business being the ultimate authority of what is truly just and fair in our world. No, we need something higher than that. We need something more than that. And as followers of Jesus, we are people who need to unite ourselves around God's vision of justice. God's vision of justice, which if we took it seriously, would probably challenge all of our definitions in some way or another. What is God's vision of what it means to do justice and what that word even looks like? Well, I'd like today to have you imagine some stories in the Bible that when we think about stories of doing justice may not be the first things to come to mind. I'd like you to think about some of the miracle stories that we see in the Gospels, where Jesus goes around healing people, where he heals someone of blindness, where he heals someone of leprosy, where he, where he raises someone from the dead. I'd like to hold those stories out to you today as maybe the perfect embodiment of justice in this world. The reason for that is, is pastor and author Tim Keller talks about these healing stories of Jesus. And what he says is, is that it's important to, to move them out of the, classes, the, the classifications we have, that these are miracle stories. They are miracles, but he says that it's not about God showing off his divine power. That's not the point of why Jesus goes around healing. Jesus isn't at parties doing tricks going, hey, you know, I know that's pretty impressive. You can stand on your head for 30 minutes. Bring a blind guy here. Let me show you what's really impressive. I don't know. I've just been always able to do this. It's not God's divine boasting. It's not Jesus just showing off or wanting people to believe that what Tim Keller writes is that almost all of the miracle stories of Jesus have a common theme. And that theme is, is that it is restoring creation to the way God intended it. It's about restoring creation to the way it was in the beginning before the fall. And it's about proclaiming what the kingdom of God will look like again in the end. That in the kingdom of God, the kingdom that is to come, the kingdom that we await here this morning, that it's a kingdom where there will be no more blindness, where there will be no more tears, where there will be no more leprosy, where there will be no more mourning and therefore no more death, where there will be no more cancer, where there will be no more heart disease, where there will be no more Alzheimer's, where there will be no more dementia. That the kingdom of God is a place where creation is restored. That's what justice actually means. The word justice means to restore things to a just state. And Jesus, Tim Keller writes, is doing the work of restoration. And so when we think about it that way, these are pure and perfect acts of justice. It is restoring creation to the way that it is meant to be and to the way that it will be when the kingdom comes again. You and I ought to be able to unite around this concept of justice. That it is about, as Amy Sherman said in one of our videos that we watched recently on our Wednesday night programming, Love Thy Neighbor, she said that you and I are called to be offering people a foretaste of the kingdom every day. That's justice. That's about saying this is what creation is going to look like in the end. This is what God declares it to be. And so we give people a foretaste of that. And that foretaste is about how things will be. That's about restoring them to how they're going to be. That is the work of justice. It's very important that we see this because you and I can confuse justice and charity 
really easily, and they're not the same thing. Let me give you an example. We spent, as I mentioned earlier, a good chunk of the month of November talking about the issues of race and faith. Well, why? Well, some of it is because since Ferguson, these issues have risen again and again and again in our national conversations, and we don't need to be frightened of them. We need to be able to have these conversations. They're important to be able to have, but not for a sense of political correctness, and not because we just want to be really, really nice people who just help people a whole lot. And not because we're trying to follow the agenda of any kind of uh, a political party. It's because we see that in the scriptures, in Revelation chapter 7, that it's described that when the kingdom of God comes, that people will gather around the throne of Jesus. And as they gather around the throne, they will come from every corner of the globe. And it says that every tribe and every tongue, every ethnicity will be gathered together as one people, as equal brothers and sisters. And friends, if that is the vision of what the kingdom of God will be, then where we see anything less than that in our world today, we need to give a foretaste of it to. We need to be offering a foretaste of it and say, no, we don't do this for any other reason than this is the kingdom. This is the kingdom. And when we work for that kingdom, for that image, where we stand equally together in our diversity before our Lord, We are saying this is a restoration of what creation was meant to be, what it shall be in the end. That is justice. It's not us being nice in our charity going, we want to help people. It's about something stronger than that, of working to restore creation and to offer a foretaste of what is to come. This is the work that Micah is calling us to. This is the great work that you and I are invited to be a part of for this world to look different because we're here. What does it mean for you and I to be people who every day at work with our families and our marriages, with our friendships, with our children, with our parents, with our in-laws, with our supervisors, with our employees, what does it mean every day to be giving a foretaste of the kingdom of God? That is the work of justice. However, there's one last thing we got to talk about. Because just like if I asked you to give your definition of justice, it would probably look a little bit different than my definition of justice. If I asked you to be giving a foretaste of the kingdom, your idea of the kingdom might look a little different than my idea of the kingdom. Question's not what your version of the kingdom is to give a foretaste to, and it's not what my version of the kingdom is to give a foretaste to. It's what does God say the kingdom will be like? So this week, on the back of your orders of service, I want you to take those home with you. You have an invitation. It's an invitation of daily scripture readings, and these readings will be an opportunity for you to engage in what the kingdom is described like. And if you take this seriously, I promise you this, it will challenge what you believe the kingdom is about. It will challenge the patterns of all of our lives, no matter who you are or where you live or how you vote. It will challenge some of what we believe in our convictions and our hearts to be right and just and good. But you and I need to saturate ourselves with what God says the kingdom will be so that we know what a foretaste might look like. We need to saturate ourselves and what the kingdom is so that we know what it is that we're offering and looking for. And so this week, I invite you not just to do justice, but to open your mind and heart to what God says justice is. 
so that we can continue and live into this great call that Micah lays before us. For friends, what does the Lord require of you? What is good? What were you created for? To do justice, to love chesed, kindness, mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would lead us in your way this morning, this day, that your kingdom would come and that we would be open to the fullness and the beauty of all that your kingdom is. Help us to hear and to discern what the work of justice looks like this week as we engage the question, what does it mean to offer a foretaste of your kingdom? May the vision of your kingdom and our call to build it wash over us and compel us forward to new acts of justice this week and always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.